In Isaiah 61, Jesus declared that He had been sent to bring freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see His power to set free those that were imprisoned by their own sin and those that were oppressed by the sins of others. When Jesus died and rose again, He destroyed the power of sin once and for all, giving us free access to the love and power of God. In this Set Free series, we will provide the tools for each of us to identify the lies we have believed, to take hold of the truth that Jesus offers and learn to walk in the power of the Spirit. Jesus came to set us free from whatever stops us living in the fullness of God's love and power. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Jason. As you heard it before, campus pastor for Gateway Redlands. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? has a nice little ring to it. Um, I just want to thank you all uh, for your prayers and for your support. Uh, Manny's been telling me throughout the process uh, that you guys have been informed and you've been praying uh, both for the plant and for myself. Uh, I really appreciate that. I will covet your prayers as we continue to move forward toward our launch in 2018. Uh, so thank you very much. And uh, we do have a number of things to do between now and then. We've got this meeting today uh, that does come with lunch. But God is really pulling together a team, a group of people who are going. And we're really excited about taking the gospel of Jesus into Redland City and beginning a new work there. And hopefully, by the grace of God, seeing people come to faith and having their lives transformed and being set free. Uh, from whatever it is that holds them back from the fullness of God's love and power. Hey, would you put your hands together for Matt this morning as well, um, who just sang. Matt did a beautiful job in setting the mood for this morning's sermon. And we are in week five of the Set Free Sermon series. If you've been here during that time, you would have discovered that we've looked at a number of things that we believe can stop us from living in the fullness of God's love and power. Shame, rejection, fear. I believe here last week you looked at bitterness, uh, all of which we believe can stop God's people living in the fullness of his love and power. But Matt set a good scene for this morning's message, and I'm believing that today, by God's grace, he is wanting to set some people free from addiction. Do you know that the people of God are not immune to the challenges and temptations of life? And the people of God are not immune to making a conscious decision to use an activity or a substance to manage the experiences in life and in so doing, develop habits, create patterns that become destructive and do indeed rob us from living in the fullness of God's love and power. The people of God are not immune to the temptations and challenges of life and relying upon a particular substance or activity to manage what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And today I believe God is wanting to set some people free from addiction. And to help us this morning, I want to give you a working definition. Now, this definition for addiction uh, is my own. I made this up. I don't have a claim to fame for too many things, but I'm taking it with this definition, all right? You will not read this definition in a textbook. You will not hear it in a seminar somewhere else. I own this. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it and appreciate it because I think it's going to help us today and also moving forward. So here's a definition 
for addiction that I'm going to use today. And please keep it in mind as we progress throughout this morning. Here we go. And addiction is the need. It is the need for any substance or activity to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life. Let me say that one more time. An addiction is the need, is the need for any substance or activity to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life. Now, when we think about addictions, what are some of the things that automatically come to mind? Just yell them out real quick. What comes to your mind? Drugs, alcohol, absolutely. Some of the other big hitting addictions like gambling, pornography, the big heavy hitting addictions that we believe or know to be more common and destructive in the lives of everyday Australians. However, however, we can easily overlook some of the everyday substances and activities that if we are not careful, can become a need for us as we, I guess, enjoy, manage, or avoid the various experiences in life. Uh, things like sugar. Yeah, listen to the murmurs across the room right there. Sugar, caffeine, food, shopping, exercise, technology, social media, our studies, employment, careers, success, status, approval, acceptance, power, drama. There are some people who are addicted to drama. You should meet my auntie Flo. She's addicted to drama. You could pretty much add whatever you want to that list we can become addicted to more than just those hard-hitting things. There are some everyday items that we can become addicted to if we are not careful. And in preparing this particular sermon today, and I obviously preached it last week at McKenzie, um, I came across some other addictions that I thought were pretty weird and worth mentioning here this morning. Uh, during my research, I came across a 22-year-old woman uh, in the United States of America named Keisha. And after changing, the, uh, the, changing a nappy for the first time, she developed an addiction to sipping on and sniffing dirty nappies. And Keisha believes that since developing this addiction, she has sniffed and slurped her way through 25,000 nappies. Now, I can just picture her hanging outside kindergartens and childcare centers, wanting to raid bins, looking for dirty nappies to continue fueling and feeding her particular addiction. And listen, if this is an issue for you this morning, I just want to say that by the I'm just kidding. Hopefully that's not. Hopefully that's not. But there are a number of addictions that, you know, are quite weird and I thought were worth mentioning. You know, Nick Trevally. Another young man from the United States of America. What's going on over there? There's actually plenty going on over there if you watch the news. Uh, but Nick Trevally is a self-confessed sneakerhead. He cannot get enough shoes. And he says this, Sneakers are my nicotine, and I have zero shame in admitting that. I can never get enough, 
and I'll never have too many. And the thing is, I have to keep the boxes because if I leave them out uh, of the closet, they will be exposed to dirt and dust and the elements. Now, as someone who loves sneakers, can I just say that I understand Nick's pain? More often than not, I'll have a baby wipe close by in case I scuff up my Doc Martens or my Nike Air Force Ones or something like that. So I understand Nick's pain. Obviously, I'm being silly. But when we think about this word addiction, yeah, it does come with some of those big, hard-hitting ones that we're all aware of. But there are also some everyday substances and activities that we can easily overlook. And if we are not careful, they can actually become um, habitual, creating patterns, and therefore an addiction that we rely on to enjoy, avoid, or manage our experiences in life. Now, let me just say this. Let me just say this. I understand there is nothing sinful about sugar, caffeine, food, shopping, technology, uh, sneakers. There's definitely something wrong with sniffing on dirty nappies and sipping on that, right? I get that. But it has been the nature of humanity for many years to take good things and turn them into God things. And whenever we take a good thing and we turn it into a God thing, we are therefore serving two masters. And since the beginning of time, God has desired from his creation that his creation would have no other God and serve no other God beside him. And whenever we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing, we have two masters who require our time, our energy, and our resource. And what's that called? It's called idolatry. We have a completely different issue. You know, today I believe that by the grace of God, he's wanting to set some people free from, yep, those big, hardcore, heavy-hitting issues, but perhaps some of the more subtle things, the, the good things that we have allowed to become God things. And what once was a conscious decision, and that is to use a substance or an activity to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life, what once began as a conscious decision has become a, a habit that's created a pattern. It's now an addiction. And when one attempts to withdraw from that or no longer use or participate in that substance and or activity, the mood swings from side to side. The depression or anxiety-like symptoms go up and down like a bungee. The body begins to ache in pain. And that individual fighting addiction believes and feels that it is easier just to continue using that substance or that activity. And sadly, the cycle continues. I believe God is wanting to set some people free from addiction today. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's get stuck into that this morning. I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 17. John chapter 4, verse 7 to 17. And in this particular story, we come across um, Jesus encountering a woman at the well. And this woman, at one time or another, had made a conscious decision to either enjoy, manage, or avoid her experiences in life in the arms of many men. And it has become a pattern that now defines her existence. Let me read this for you. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. And it goes like this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, 
Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans or do not use dishes Samaritans have used. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word this morning. You know, for whatever reasons, this woman has been about the town. She now has a colorful history with divine insight. Jesus speaks into her life and he offers her living water. But did you notice that he doesn't say that he is living water, but instead he offers the living water to her and that if she receives it, she will never thirst again. Did you notice that? What Jesus is referring to here is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he is believing that as a result of him distributing the Holy Spirit, which he did on that great day we call Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will help people find their deepest need, which is their need for God. And then from that point on, the Holy Spirit will continue to administer grace, comfort, and power into the life of the believer. And whenever we want to be set free from anything that stops us from living in the fullness of God's love and power, we need His Holy Spirit to administer grace, comfort, and power into our lives. And that is true for those of us who are battling addiction. When Jesus talks about offering living water, he is referring to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do you know this morning, I have a little something to offer on this topic of addiction. Personally, me, Jason Fitters, Campus pastor for Gateway Redlands. I'm going to drop that in there as many times as I can this morning. Campus pastor for Gateway Redlands. For more than 20 years, I have sought both pastoral and professional counseling for addictive tendencies and behaviors. You know, as a young boy, I witnessed a lot of trauma and hurt, both directly and indirectly. Broken home, dysfunctionality, saw some things that scarred me up here and hurt me in here. And from a young age, I began to uh, not enjoy, but manage and avoid the experiences of my life um, through a number of ways. And, And my body had developed abnormal and unhealthy cravings towards substances and activities to manage or avoid certain situations. For example, at a young age, 
Uh, you know, my father had left. I was feeling rejected and hurt. So I started craving attention and acceptance. So I started behaving in a way that, in my opinion, was going to get me the attention and the acceptance that I needed. At school, you know, I was yelling out in the classroom, being disruptive, getting into a lot of trouble. In the playground, I was starting trouble. I was getting into fights. Um, I didn't win any of those fights, but that's a different story altogether. I found myself in the detention room a lot. I was crying out for attention and acceptance. As I got a bit older into my teenage years, I continued to have these abnormal cravings towards either a substance or an activity to manage or avoid my experiences in life. Um, so sugar was a big thing for me. I know we all like a Mars bar or some dairy milk or whatever it might be, but at a young age, I used to eat that stuff by the bucket load and still have a sweet tooth today, but by the grace of God, it doesn't master me. But I had this amazing sweet tooth. As I got a bit older, I started messing around with the cigarettes. So I smoked cigarettes for a number of years, um, developed an addiction to nicotine, and by the grace of God, I was able to overcome that. In my early teenage years and towards my young adult years, I began to experiment with both alcohol and other drugs, and by my early 20s, I had developed a full-blown addiction to hard drugs. And then after that, you know, I came to faith in Christ and God helped me. He ministered to me by his Holy Spirit and I was able to overcome a few more things. But after that, I started craving, you know, success. I had a craving for work. I was addicted to work, believe it or not. Achievement, status, man, it just continued to go and go and go. Are you starting to wonder why on earth Gateway Baptist called me to be a pastor? Now, I know this sounds all doom and gloom, but what I can say this morning is this. By God's grace, through the power of His Holy Spirit, His written word, and the encouragement from my brothers and sisters in Christ, God freed me and restored me from a five-year addiction to hard, illicit drugs. And that, yeah, man, feel free to clap that if you want. I thought that was pretty cool. God, by his grace, I battled that stuff year in, year out, and God, by his grace, redeemed me from that, restored me, filled me with his spirit, and set me on a course that has led to me being here at Gateway Ormo on August the 13th, 2017. And from my experiences and from what God has done in my life, I think I've got a little bit to offer on this topic of addiction. And I want to help those of you who may be battling some of the hard-hitting ones, but now are starting to wonder whether there's a substance or an activity that's not so bad, but has become a God thing and has now become habitual and maybe addictive. I want to help you to identify that, overcome that, and perhaps find more of a place uh, in God's love and power. Now, during this series, we've been helping you find freedom by doing three things. One is identifying the lie. Two, taking hold of the truth. And three is walking in the Spirit. So I'm going to do that again this morning, um, or else I'll have my boss on Tuesday morning all on my case for not following the sermon series plan. I'm just kidding. I think it works anyway. All right? So let's kick off by identifying the lie. And the lie is this. There is no way out. 
there is no way out. Can I tell you that from personal experience, I understand the entrapment one feels when they are fighting an addiction. I know what it's like to battle temptation as you are eating your wheat bix and milk. I know what it's like to battle the barrage of thoughts you have as you stare at a computer screen, as you drive past the BWS, as you walk down a confectionery aisle, as you stare at the cigarette stand behind the service station attendant. Can I just say this morning that I understand the entrapment one feels when they are fighting a particular addiction. And I also understand what it's like that if you are fighting an addiction and you try and overcome it, yet you fail at one point, regret kicks in, shame kicks in, loneliness, hopelessness, despair. Can I say I understand all of that? I get that. But to think that there is no way out is a complete and utter lie. By the grace of God, there is a way out. And I'm going to share with you just a few thoughts that I believe will be helpful for anyone fighting an addiction and searching for more of God's power and grace in their lives. Three very, very quick thoughts. Uh, Good theology includes good psychology, or good psychology is found in good theology. So let me talk along those lines for a couple of minutes. Three things that we've got to do if we're fighting addiction. The first one is this. We've got to start the fight. We've got to admit we have a problem. We've got to draw a line in the sand. We've got to mark a date in the calendar. We've got to look at this sucker square in the eyes and say, you are going down. And the moment we start this fight, the moment that we decide to take this on, everything is different. You have a, a, a time or a date in the calendar to monitor progress. You have the opportunity and the freedom to talk about it and express it. People can then speak into your life. The moment you start the fight, except you have a problem, mark a date in the calendar, everything's different. Your determination increases. The chances of victory increases because you're opening yourself up to more support. It starts with starting the fight, accepting you have a problem and taking it from there. Secondly, we've got to put someone in our corner. We've got to put someone in our corner. James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, this could be a relative, it could be a friend, it could be a pastor, someone who is gracious, patient, forgiving, someone that will not hold and count your sins against you, you need to put someone like that in your corner to support you and pray for you. Start the fight, put someone in your corner, and thirdly, we need to build a game plan. We need to build a game plan. Identifying the underlying causes for our decisions that have created patterns and highways in the mind that are destructive, identifying those underlying causes and then retraining our brain and renewing or recreating new highways and pathways and patterns in our life is vital for overcoming addiction, but that's easier said than done. And in order to achieve that or do that or create a game plan, we need the help of trained professionals, counselors, psychologists, or psychiatrists. The three of them all do different things, but they are the people we need to identify causes and renew or retrain 
our brains and break down thoughts and patterns that are destructive. You know, sometimes um, those services are not affordable, and, and I get that. A couple of things you can do. Go see a GP, get a mental health care plan. Mental health care plans include support for substance use disorders, which is actually a mental illness. Then you can take that, go and see whoever you need to see, and begin the process of building a game plan. You could also, if you are uh, an employee at a company that has an employee assistance program, go and see that. It's for free. It's confidential. If you do have a problem snipping and sifting dirty nappies, then you'd want that to be confidential. You can be rest assured that your EAP and any other provider of support will keep that stuff confidential as well. But if you are snipping nappies, sniffing nappies, I'm getting snipping and sifting, sniffing and sipping, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. We need the help of trained professionals to identify the cause, retrain the brain, and break patterns. And along the way, we starve the beast. We starve the beast. What happened over a period of time will not be sorted out overnight. But as we starve the beast, the cravings subside, and we begin to sense victory over that particular area. Identify the lie, my friends. And the lie is there is no way out. There is a way out. few thoughts to share with you there. Hopefully that's helpful. The second thing we do is that we take hold of the truth. We take hold of the truth. And the truth is this. I am filled with the Spirit and free to follow Jesus. I am filled with the Spirit and free to follow Jesus. Jesus. You know, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied to the onlookers after presenting a great sermon right up there with quality, kind of like Andrew Maine's preaching. He says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know, if you once upon a time heard the gospel preached, and you received it by faith, and God by His grace saved you from your sins, what else happens at that point in life is that He fills you with His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit will administer to your life grace, comfort, and power as you move forward in Him. If you have responded to the gospel, you are filled with the Spirit and free to follow Jesus. But at times, we question that, especially if you're fighting addiction. And it might be another sin that you can't get on top of. When you fight those things, questioning whether or not you are a child of God and filled with the Spirit is one of the first thoughts that we have. And it's something that the enemy likes to use to play with our heads. But how do we know, other than receiving the gospel of Jesus, how do we know that we are filled with the Spirit and free to follow Jesus? What are some things that we can look for? Two really quick thoughts. The first one is this, you are under the Spirit's guidance. You are under the Spirit's guidance. Jesus says, John 16, 13, well, actually, he doesn't say that. It's in John 16, 13. He says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit's job, is to guide us towards truth, 
repentance and action. Now listen to this one, my friends. This is where I get a little bit excited. Your concern for sin, your concern for anything that is stopping you from living in the fullness of God's love and power is evidence of an indwelling Holy Spirit. If you are not concerned about your sin or things stopping you from living in the fullness of God's love and power, I would question the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. But if you are here this morning thinking, you know what, I just want to grow in Christ. I want to find out if there's anything that's stopping me from living in the fullness of God's love and power. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper and you're writing notes so that you can find freedom over something that's been holding you back, my friends, that is evidence of an indwelling Holy Spirit in your life. Man, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Another way I know that the Holy Spirit is residing in you is because of your love for others. It is because of your love for others. John 13, verses 34 to 35. Listen to this. Once again, Jesus, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, addictions are serious. When we fight them and at times fail, we can become consumed by that big ticket item in our lives that we just can't seem to get on top of. And we become so consumed by it that we fail to see what God is doing with us and through us in the church and in the community. So if you have responded to the gospel, you're filled with the Spirit. If you are concerned about your sin and your, where you stand in the presence of God, you are filled with the Spirit. But if you are acting in love and kindness toward God and towards other people, you are filled with the Spirit and verifying your discipleship. You know, when you stand up here and sing and help the people of God to worship Him, you're verifying your discipleship. When you're a part of a welcome team, or a ministry team helping out on Thanksgiving Day, you are verifying your discipleship. When you give money so that Gateway Ormo can reach this community and uh, reach the world, or perhaps give money to mission organizations, or maybe go on a mission trip yourself, you are verifying your discipleship. More often than not, we're living out of love for God and love for others, verification of an indwelling Holy Spirit. But because something over here has become so hard and it's consuming all our energy, we begin to question whether or not we are filled with the Spirit. My friends, can I say, if you've received the gospel and repented of your sins, you are filled with the Spirit, you are under His guidance, and your love for others verifies your discipleship. Man, I hate to sound arrogant. But this is good preaching. This is good preaching. Not because I'm coming up with it, because I'm just reading from God's Word. We identify the lie. We take hold of the truth. And then we walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. Every week as we preach, we want to give you just a tip or a way on how one can walk in the Spirit. And you might need to remind yourself of what those are. I'm not going to do it here today, but I do want to give you just one thought. And walking in the Spirit means we need to learn how to exchange our guilt for God's grace. 
We need to learn how to exchange our guilt for God's grace. When we fight an addiction, there will be seasons of success and seasons of failure. There will be wins and there will be losses. What didn't happen overnight will not sort itself out overnight. Maybe by the grace of God, it will and it can. But with very severe addictions, it could take time. And as it takes time, we need to learn how to exchange our guilt for God's grace. Very, very important that we do that. Because as we try and overcome, if we do fail, you know, next day regrets kick in. Guilt and shame kicks in. The enemy wants us to accommodate those things. That's what he wants us to do. But exchanging God's grace or exchanging our guilt for God's grace requires a couple of very quick things. Firstly, it requires us to seek forgiveness immediately. Immediately. Don't accommodate or harbor sin, guilt, or shame. That's what the enemy wants us to do. But instead, we go to God and ask for forgiveness straight away, and then we move in His Spirit, and we're free to follow Jesus. But listen to this, and this is another bit of gold coming up right here. If you've got a pen and paper, get ready to write this one down, because this is another point that gets me really excited, all right? If you happen to fight an addiction and you have a relapse and you exchange your guilt for God's grace by asking for forgiveness immediately. Here it comes. Write this down. As you go to God asking for forgiveness, know that God's faithfulness is far greater than your failure. That sounded so nice, I'm going to say it twice. Know that God's faithfulness is far greater than your failure. If you have relapsed, if you have messed up and you go back to God in sincerity and in desperation, asking for, for, his, uh, asking for his forgiveness, his response is never in doubt. We are faithless. He is faithful. Um, and in John or 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How good does that sound? Know that God's faithfulness is far greater than your failure. Learning how to exchange your guilt for God's grace is vital when it comes to finding freedom from whatever holds us back and stops us from living in the fullness of God's love and power. Vitally important. Identify the lie. There's no way out. Well, there actually is. Take hold of the truth. Yes, you are filled with the Spirit and free to follow Jesus. And then walk in the Spirit. Learn how to exchange your guilt for God's grace. God wants to restore and redeem as soon as possible. The enemy wants us to accommodate sin, guilt, and shame. You know, for those of you who may have been battling an addiction to some of the heavy-hitting things, or maybe these good things that have become um, God things, you probably don't need me to harp on about this too much longer. You're aware of the hurt and pain it has been causing either you or those around you. And in my opinion, I think an addiction 
is a problem or is, uh, is confirmed when it begins to impact at least one of four things. Firstly, your loves. So your relationship with your partner, your spouse, your children, or your friends. Secondly, your livelihood. Your work productivity, your ability to do your studies, maybe even find a job. Thirdly, your liver. In other words, your health and well-being. And fourthly, your legal. If your habits have brought you at odds with the law, then I think that's a massive red flag. But whenever that heavy-hitting issue or that good thing that's become a God thing that now creates idolatry, whenever those things impact one of those four things, your loves, your livelihoods, your liver, or your legal, then I believe God is wanting to set you free from that today. Because whenever something masters our lives, it requires and demands our time, our resources, our energy, and we know that's got to go toward God, and then to our blessings like our wives, our husbands, and our children. Not addressing addictive tendencies and behaviors will continue to impact those things, and we need God's help to find freedom. Hey, you know, in closing, I'm, I'm reminded of a, uh, of a situation that we read about in the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13, it seems as if God is two things. One, heartbroken, but two, offended. And in Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13, God says that his people have forsaken him. And then he describes himself as a spring of living water. Someone who can meet our deepest need by His Spirit, who ministers grace, comfort, and power into the life of His children. And then He proceeds to say that His people not only forsook Him, but then they dug their own cisterns. Cisterns that cannot hold water. And in painting this picture, God gives us this comparison of the living water that he offers that will meet our need, that will never you know, require us to thirst again, but then also a comparison between what the world offers, which we know is futile, which we know will fade away, which we know we will always want more of because it will never quench our deepest need. And God is saying that when we turn from his living water, to man-made systems, man-made thoughts, man-made methods to meet our need for God or to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life, God is saying it's like rejecting pure water for toilet water. So think about it this way. As you go through life, if you have turned to substances like alcohol and other drugs, to either enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life. It's like we're drinking out of a toilet. Whenever we turn from God to any other substance or activity, i.e. sugar, caffeine, even just food, good things that have become God things. But if we've turned to those things to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences in life, it's like we're drinking out of a toilet. 
When we turn to things like our academic achievements, the success in our careers, um, power, acceptance, approval, all of these kind of things to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life. It's kind of like we're drinking out of a toilet. Friends, I believe with all my heart that there are some people here today who have been drinking out of the toilet for far too long. And in so doing, you've become sick. Because that's what happens when we drink out of the toilet. And I believe this came out of Pastor Andrew's personal ensuite. So that's kind of not a very good thing for me to be doing right now. Just kidding. Just kidding. Friends, today, I'm believing that God wants to set some people free from addiction. Whether it's a big one. Or a good thing that's become a God thing. You now serve two masters. It's an idolatry issue. And all of this is beginning to impact your loves, your livelihood, your liver, and also your legal. And wherever you sit in this topic that I'm presenting to you today, this morning I believe that there are a lot of us here who just want to respond by saying, you know what, I'm going to declare once again that God is going to be my only source of grace, comfort, and power to enjoy, manage, or avoid the experiences of life. And this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do just that. You know, I'm not even going to consider where you sit within this addiction topic. But this morning, I'm going to give all of you an opportunity to respond and say, God, you will be my only source of grace, comfort, and power as I go through this thing called life. I'm not going to lean on any other man-made solution or method. I'm not going to drink out of the toilet anymore. I'm going to receive your living water each and every day. And I've got a couple of wells set up here. And uh, as I get James to come forward and the band, um, you know, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. And as we sing, I'm just going to invite you to come. And no one's going to be looking at you wondering, oh, I wonder what they're coming up for. Yep, there he is. I thought he had a problem with the bottle. No one's going to be looking and going, you know what? Yep, I see the way he's been looking at girls lately. I thought he had a problem with porn. Or maybe someone's going to look at you and go, you know what? You chucked on 10 kg lately. Thought she had a problem with the food. No one's going to be looking at you that way. And if you are looking at someone that way, I think you need to respond for a whole nother issue. Wherever you sit In this morning's um, topic, and whatever you respond, no one's going to be looking at you in any other way, but you're going to respond to declare that God's going to be your only source of grace, comfort, and power. And as you come, uh, we're going to have some pastors that are set up at the wells. Uh, They're going to serve you living water and just drink in faith. There's nothing magical about the wells or the water within it, but there is something special in coming forward in faith and saying, God, you know what? I just want to declare you to be my only source of grace, comfort, and power this morning. Hey, would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Our pastors will take the place. And as you come forward, they're going to serve you and drink in faith, believing that God by His Holy Spirit is going to administer grace, comfort, and power into your hearts today. Hey, let me pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for your love and for your grace. Father, I thank you that in Christ we are already in a position of freedom. But God, we confess that at times 
we rely on and lean into substances and activities to enjoy, manage or avoid the experiences of life. And we have created or developed habits. These habits have become out of control. We now need these things. We've got an idolatry issue. Father, we want to be set free from those things today. And God, if anyone in this room has been sensing your Holy Spirit speaking to them, God, I pray in just the next five to 10 seconds of silence that you would hear their prayers as they confess their sins and have you minister to them by your Holy Spirit. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to pray that prayer to God right now, right where you are in your hearts. Do some work with your Heavenly Father this morning. Father, for the rest of us, as we respond, declaring that you will be our only source of grace, comfort, and power by your Holy Spirit, which you ministered to us this day. Ah, we love you. We need you. Ah, how we need you. Minister to us, I pray, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, would you come? If you know um, that's a declaration you want to make this morning, don't wait. Just come forward right now. Pastor's going to say.